Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have John Corcoran with Smart Business Revolution with me. Welcome. Hey, George. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. On your one of the first things that I read on your website is at the age of 23, you got a job as a writer at the Clinton White House. Can you tell us about that? That's kind of a, a dream job for anyone, but at 23, it must have been a really amazing experience, I guess. Yeah, in retrospect, I think I didn't appreciate it as much at the time as I do in retrospect. But um, yeah, I had actually been an intern in the Clinton White House in the speechwriting office while I was in college. I went back and graduated from college and had this goal of getting back to the White House and getting a full-time job there. And they have, I think, a couple thousand interns each year, who um, many of whom would like to work there, so it's not easy to get a job afterwards. And so I kept just, you know, working it, working it, and uh, eventually heard about the position that I ended up getting. So I was there for about two years near the end of the Clinton administration, working as a writer in presidential letters and messages, which I kind of describe as being like a uh, second-tier speechwriter. We wrote a lot of the stuff that the speechwriters didn't want to write. So what does it mean working it? You said, I've been working it. Can you can you uh, explain that to us? What does it mean? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll break it down a little bit more. So um, after I had been an intern, I well, first of all, while I was there, of course, I tried to make the best impression that I could. And so I worked my butt off, um, was there all the time, you know, more than even a full-time job. Um, always, you know, I came in on the weekend if they needed me to, um, you know, always working into the evening and everything. So, you know, the, the first thing is making a great first impression and working really hard and showing you have a good work ethic and showing you're competent and capable. And every time I had an assignment trying to knock it out of the park. And then after that, um, I just worked worked on keeping in touch with all of the people that I'd met. So all the speechwriters and also other people who worked in other jobs around the White House or even in Washington, D.C., keeping in touch with people in Washington, D.C. who might hear about jobs uh, around there. And um, it's kind of a funny story. What happened was I'd gotten I'd gotten the heads up from one of the speechwriters that there was this opening and that I might get a call from the woman who was hiring for this writing position. And so I was working at the time in the entertainment business in uh, mostly for DreamWorks in Los Angeles, and I was waiting for this phone call. And so she, the woman who later became my boss, actually called one day, and I was talking to her on the phone. She was asking for my resume and some writing samples and, and whatnot. And I actually, she, when she asked for the writing samples, I actually said, I'm happy to send something in the mail, or you can open up today's New York Times. I actually have a letter to the editor on the op-ed page. It was a total, you know, it was a bit of a coincidence, but I knew that that call might be coming, and I'd sent that letter a couple of days earlier, and it happened to hit on the exact same day that she called. So it's just a great lesson for anyone is that you can do things to put yourself in the best position, so that when you're being evaluated, like for a position like that, um, you you put your your best foot forward, so to speak. Wow. That is, uh, it's almost like the harder you work, the, the luckier you get, right? <laughs> right. That's a good lesson. <laughs> yep. So tell me a little bit about um, your background prior to starting Smart Business Revolution. Sure. Okay. So a little bit of a roundabout way from um, working at the White House to where I am today. Um, I worked in politics for about six years. 
I also worked as a speechwriter for the governor of California for Gray Davis, which was the guy who got recalled by Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you're from some other part of the country, that's how you might know him. And um, that was great. It was a great experience because California is the, I think, the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. And you have everything from uh, Hollywood to Silicon Valley, all kinds of issues. Um, and it was really a lot of fun. But then I ended up going back to law school and getting my law degree. And eventually, after a couple of years of practicing law, starting my own law firm. And I practice law now serving primarily small business owners and entrepreneurs. That's that's my primary market. And uh, Smart Business Revolution has evolved over the years, but basically it, it came out of a wanting to serve and help the same clientele that I help with my legal, uh, my legal work, uh, but to give them advice on how to use relationships to grow their business, how to use relationships to increase their income, how to develop strategic relationships with influencers and VIPs and top performers uh, to, um, to, to build their career. And um, so that's what I talk about primarily now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Now, on your website, I, you know, I, I guess on your about page, if I remember correctly, you know, you you uh, have some very impressive publications such as Forbes, Newsweek, Huffington Post, and some others. Can you give us an insight how you made that happen? And and somebody that's a small business owner, um, or maybe some of your clients, those types of businesses, how could how can they realistically expect to be in one of these top tier publications? Sure. Yeah. So each one came through some different avenue. There wasn't any one silver bullet for each of them. <clears throat> but um, I'll, I'll tell one story just about how I got into Forbes. But but the point I do want to make is that I didn't go to any Ivy League school. I didn't come, you know, from some well-connected family. I didn't, um, you know, I, I didn't have great connections. I didn't make political donations to get jobs in politics. Uh, so if I can do it, anyone can do it. I, I mean, I've I've been very fortunate that I got to work at one work in the White House. I've met two presidents. Um, I've met all kinds of incredible entrepreneurs. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote on this this on my blog recently. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in Cabo San Lucas. Mexico, and I ended up, long story, ended up on a, a billionaire's boat for a couple of hours hanging out there. Um, but the point behind that was the same message that I write in, in throughout my site is to, to give to people, to be willing to be helpful to people. And when you do that, it will come around and help you tremendously. So uh, to answer your question about the publications, um, I met a woman named Dory Clark who writes for Forbes at New Media Expo in Las Vegas. She and I had met about 10 years earlier, and we'd lost touch, so we reconnected. And she had a book coming out, and I have a podcast, and so I offered to have her come on my podcast when her book came out. And we kept in touch, and we would retweet things on Twitter and share things for one another and, and just you know that sort of thing. And then his her book came out. Um, and so I had her on my podcast and I was really well prepared for the interview because I'd read the whole book and it, I really liked the book. And um, and then I helped her promote the book. And eventually she turns out she wanted people to to um, help her co-author things on Forbes. So I offered to do that. I wrote something and she she liked it. And so we've written a couple of things together that way. So that's how I got in Forbes. Um, and, you know, every every other publication is usually from some kind of connection usually from strategically thinking, well, I'd like to be published in this publication. Who do I know that has a connection there? How can I work you know, the relationships and somehow get a connection in there, and then eventually it works out? Now, in terms of, in terms of networking, do you, 
have a, a, a time slot scheduled for like, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of hours or number of hours networking, or this is more of a, a way of life, you know, for, for somebody that wants to succeed that, you know, basically every time you meet somebody or every email you send or everything you read, you think, you know, how can I build my network or what is your, what is your take on that? Yeah, I think everyone's different. Some people, if you don't like reaching out to people and building relationships, then it's kind of a burden to you. But you realize the value of having a large network. You realize the value of meeting people who are successful and and trying to spend time around them and learn from them. If that's the case, then I think you really – it ought to be something that you should schedule or you should set a goal for yourself. That's another thing you can do is say, I want to do X number of follow-up emails, You know, say five follow-up emails per week to people in my network who I haven't talked to in a while. We call them weak ties, which I just wrote about in Art of Manliness. Um, you know, you have weak ties to people that are that you that you've had relationships with in your in your past, but you don't keep in touch with them. Maybe it's been a year, two years, three years since you've contacted them. And so there's real value to following up with those people. So I don't actually have uh, I don't put it down on my calendar, but I do use different systems and so, like, for example, I use a, a CRM program, which stands for Customer Relationship Management, called Contactually, um, which I've written about a number of times on my site, and, and I can give you a, a, a link that we can put in the show notes, um, my review of Contactually. It's, a, it's an affordable solution that manages your relationships and gives you reminders to follow up with people who you haven't connected with in a while. Okay. Now, you know, you make it sound really easy, networking, but... <laughs> I think some people find it frightening or maybe embarrassing or maybe they think they're going to be pushy with people. What do you think makes networking so difficult for some people? I think what I think there's a real mind uh, shift that you have to make. Some people think that it's, you know, networking is being sleazy and sticking your business card in people's uh, hands at a at a cocktail party and trying to sell people, you know, uh, while you're over drinks at some party or something, that really doesn't work. I mean, that's a failed, <clears throat> completely failed strategy. The best thing to do if you want to build relationships with people who are going to help support your business and who you're going to help is to turn it around and to start thinking about how you can help that person. Take interest in them. Find out what their needs are. Find out what they uh, have going on in their life, whether it's of a personal nature or a business nature, and how you can help in any way possible, whether it's helping a, a kid decide on where they're going to go to college, you know, they're, they're a son, a daughter, or someone you're talking to, giving them re- restaurant recommendations in their hometown, you know, giving them tips on somewhere they're going for vacation sometime soon. You know, those kind of simple things go a long way, and they're, they're the building blocks of a, of a nice human relationship. And then you can move from that on to some kind of um, reciprocity in the business realm. But you definitely don't want to start with the business stuff first. You want to start with, you know, building a nice relationship with someone first. And um, if you're intimidated by it, here's a very, very simple thing you can do. And I just published a couple of days ago an article in, in Art of Manliness about the power of making introductions, introducing one person in your network to someone else in your network. And it's as simple as this. You look at everyone you know, you pick two people who you think would gain value from meeting each other, and you send an email to both of them, introducing them to one another. Or maybe if you feel like it might not be a good fit, maybe you check in with each of them first. Say, hey, I'd like to introduce you to so-and-so. Is that okay if I do that first? And 
by doing that, you will be providing value to those people. They will be grateful to you, and eventually they may repay the favor. And it's just a great tool. It's just something you can do. I call it a win-win-win. It's a win for you, it's a win for them, and it's a win-win for society. And there's no reason why people can't be doing it. It's fun. Do it, you know, do it. Play around with it. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great point. Now, is there a size of network that we should have? Let's say if it's a small business, um, I don't know, maybe it's a professional service business or, or I don't know, some kind of a small business. Is there a number that I should have 50 people or 100 people in my network that's also manageable for me? I think it's different for everyone, but the reality is um, there are some who are going to be more valuable than others. You know, there are going to be some that really um, maybe they don't, uh, if you're a service professional, you rely on referrals, as a lot of people are. Maybe there are some people in your network who are never going to reciprocate to you or never going to refer someone to you. Well, you know, that's not someone you need to spend a lot of your time on versus there are other people who maybe refer stuff to you frequently or maybe they in introduce you to information that you didn't know about that's of value to your profession, of value to your business development. So those are the people you really want to spend time on. And, you know, there could be 10 people that are providing the 80 percent of your business, but those are the 10 people that you want to spend the most time providing value back to. So I was, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day who he's got a business that will probably do about $2 million. It's a small business, but probably do about $2 million in revenue. And he's got about 10 contacts, people that are referring him business regularly. And he makes an effort on a weekly basis to do something of value for them and to always be aware of what is going on in their lives and their businesses and how he can help them, whether it's some kind of recommendation uh, or referral or rec recommending a possible employee or, or whatever. And it could be something very small that he does for these people on a weekly basis, but he just wants to make sure that he's constantly providing value to those people so that the it's never a one-way street. You never, you know, you're, you're not going to continue getting those referrals if you're not providing something of value in return. So you have to be consistent with doing that. But as far as size go, I mean, it could, as I said, it could, there could be 10 to 20 people who really are really important to you, and you could just fo focus your attention on that. Um, so it really depends mm -hmm. on, on your, your particular situation. Yeah. Um, you also have on the top of your homepage that you know, resonated with me was turn your relationships into income. What do you what do you mean by that uh, exactly? Is there is there a, an actual strategy with that, or is just just uh, growing your network? It's just it, it, it's it's a simple equation that so few people follow. But we all have these people. We all have these relationships in our life that you know maybe they're from college, or maybe they're from an old job, or maybe they're from a, a former business or something. People that you had in established relationship with but it went stale or even people that you have a relationship now but you just don't check in with them all, all that frequently and if you do and if you try and become of service to those people it will turn around and help you dramatically so I'll give you a simple example I had a real estate agent who'd referred three or four cases to me over a three or four month period and um, I was looking back on my notes because I track my referrals that are incoming, and I noticed that she'd made these referrals, but she hadn't referred anything to me in about a nine-month period. Well, I, I realized, well, I need to get back in touch with her. She just hadn't thought of me. 
you know, so I went back and I sent her an email, said, hey, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in a while. Let's get together for lunch or coffee or something like that. We ended up getting together. What do you know? About a week later, she referred some business over to me. So when I talk about turning relationships into income, it's about taking these relationships that you have in existing and also nurturing and building relationships with new people and using them in a way that supports your business. And I mean, I don't know anyone who's in business who who couldn't benefit from that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Now, you know, I, I you mentioned it, and I also read it on your on your website that you've been an entrepreneur for about three years now. Uh, can you tell me what you how it changed you, if anyways, and maybe what you learn about yourself or being learn about being an entrepreneur in general? Oh man, yeah, it's it's changed me a lot. That's for sure. Um, and I wrote a post uh, when it had been two years. I wrote a post called 11 Things I've Learned I've Learned in Two Years of Entrepreneurship, which got a ton of comments on it because um, I think it, a lot of things resonated with people. Um, I've, I've learned a number of things. Um, a, a big one is, is reflected in Smart Business Revolution, which is to, to keep your network large and to keep in touch with a large number of people. And the way I actually learned that the hard way was losing my job in the California recall election. Um, I was a, a speechwriter for the governor, and Arnold Schwarzenegger came along the, the unprecedented recall campaign, and I lost my job. And I realized after that that it's really, even if you feel like you're in a place of certainty, you never know. Things can change in an instant. And so it's important to continue with those relationships. That was a key lesson for me as far as entrepreneurship goes. Um, you know, others are to try and not, uh, you know, there's a con the concept of the minimal, minimal, minimum viable product that has been made popular by Eric Reese in the book uh, Lean Startup. Um, and the, the traditional model up until recently has been that you build something very large. You spend a lot of time toiling away at it and you don't reveal it to the world until it's done, and then you reveal it to the world, and then you find out if the market wants it or not. And that's a horrible model. And so what a, a lot of – there's a whole school of thought. The whole lean startup model has flipped that and said that a much better model is to develop a minimum viable product. That is something small that's imperfect, but that you can get out into the market and then test and then get feedback from the market and then see how they like it. And so I think any business, almost any business, can use that whether it's a new service they're offering, a new product or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a very, very good tool, uh, even if you're a service professional. Whatever, you know, if you're trying to, trying to expand into another area and offer a different type of service to people, that's a, a, you know, that's a way of testing it. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned because in my notes, I actually have that article, The 11 Things You Learned as an Entrepreneur, and you, you talk about minimum viable audience. Can you share that uh, you know, a little bit or, you know, what's – because I, I was so important I actually wrote it now, but maybe you can explain it better. Yeah, and that's um, – I, I think the first time I've heard that uh, phrase used was by Corbett Barr, um, who's the founder of a program called Fizzle that I belong to. Um, and basically, it's about having a, an audience of people who are interested in what it is you do before you go and try and sell a product or a service in the marketplace. So when I started my own firm about three years ago, I'd been working for other firms. I'd been building up relationships with other lawyers, other clients, uh, other business owners. And so I had that minimum viable audience that could support me as a service professional, uh, you know, 
hiring me to help them out with legal needs. And uh, but it can apply in other forums as well. Whatever kind of business you have, um, you just want to build up a a community of people who may be interested in what it is you do and maybe may may want to purchase what you have. And I, over the last you know three or four years, have been building the community of people who are interested in smart business revolution, who are interested in uh, turn, using their relationships to, to grow their business. And so that has grown its own minimum viable audience, which is interested in what I have to say in that realm. So any business, I think, should be thinking about that. And certainly if you are working right now as an employee, but you want to start your own business, think about ways that you can do that, the ways that you can grow a minimum viable audience that is going to be readily available to purchase products or services from you if you do start your own business. Interesting. Now, you also mentioned that uh, blogging had a very positive impact on your business. And there are so many people that start blogging, but they give up. And some of them are good writers. Some of them are not so good. But uh, but but most of them do give up at some point. But but it actually helped your business and, and you have a successful blog. So what do you think is the difference between a successful blog or making a blog successful as opposed to all those that just just fade away? Wow, that's so that's a really long answer. There's a lot of things <laughs> that goes in, into it and I'm, you know, there's certainly plenty of people who are more successful bloggers than me, so uh, I probably would <laughs> defer to them most of the time. But um I think that um, the reason it's been it's been an amazing um, ride is I mean you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now if I didn't have a blog. Uh, the blog really allows you to establish yourself as an expert in some particular area. Now that's not enough. I learned that one the hard way. I you know had I've had this I've written online for a long time and for a long time I would just write on my blog. I wouldn't write on other places. And so it was kind of like a you know sitting in a closet and waiting for the you know people to to show up. And so what you have to do is after you create your own blog, then you have to go out and find other places that have traffic that you can write for that can introduce you to new audiences, and then people will come back to your site and want to stick around there and consume what you provide there. So that's what I've been doing in the last year very aggressively is writing guest posts on other sites. I've written, as as we mentioned, Forbes, Huffington Post, Dumb Little Man, Art of Manliness, uh, The Sparkline, Boost Blog Traffic, basically anywhere that will have me, anywhere that will let me show up and write already. <laughs> and what do you think is the right approach to reach out to those? Obviously, you kind of have to do your homework. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you have been writing a lot on your own and on your own blog. So at that point, when are you ready and what, what steps should you take to, to be able to reach out to these blogs and hopefully get, uh, get a chance to, to write for them? Well, first you need to find the places that are receptive to taking guest posts. Not all are. Some aren't. Um, and I find that the small, the blogs that tend to be single author blogs, which I would consider um, Art of Manliness to be to one of them. It was started by Brett McKay, now run by him and his wife, Kate. Um, that's a, a single author blog. Um, Chris Brogan has a blog. Pat Flynn has a blog. Um, you know, the the ones that aren't large, like Huffington Post is a multi-author blog, and I find greater you get greater uh, payback from the smaller ones 
that are single author blogs. And as far as how to approach them goes, well, um, it's going to be different for each one. Some will have guest post guidelines, and if they do, you should really follow those to a T and do whatever it is they suggest. But there are other ways that you can build a relationship in advance, and that's what I prefer to do is um, let them get to know you before you ever send a cold email in their inbox. So, um, you know, for example, uh, I recently reached out to Noah Kagan, who's the founder of AppSumo, who's a very successful entrepreneur, and I, I, tried to in, I tried to interview him about three or four years ago unsuccessfully because it was not a very good attempt. But this time, I had actually mentioned him in two different blog posts, once last year, and I tweeted him and he'd responded. And then again, uh, in the beginning of this year, in January, I mentioned him in a blog post in Art of Manliness, and he tweeted me. And then after that, that gave me the opportunity to then send a cold, e- quote unquote, cold email to him. But he, I'd already warmed up the relationship and uh, enabled me to interview him. And since then, I, I feel like I've gotten to know him a lot more because we've exchanged a lot of emails about various different things. And I've followed up by introducing him to other people that he wanted to meet. Um, and so, you know, that's a good way to go about it is by warming up the relationship first so that you're not actually just sending a cold email to the person. Yeah, so we're back to networking, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The importance of networking. Well, uh, I, I mean, it all comes back to relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also mentioned on your site you have about 2,700 email subscribers, uh, maybe even more since, since you wrote that. Uh, what tactics do you use to grow your email list? And um, what is it about email marketing that turbocharges your business? That, uh, that Those are your words, actually, from your, from your blog, I believe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So um, the number one most successful thing for me has been guest posting. And now it might be different for everyone. Some people, you know, nail YouTube videos and get a ton of traffic from that. Other people use podcasting. Other people, you know, use Twitter or whatever. So there are different strategies you can use. I think it starts with having a good blog that people want to sign up for. That's number one. Uh, and and that's a whole longer discussion. Number two is having some kind of offering that they're signing up for. For a long time, I didn't have any offering. Um, I didn't have anything that they can download. And I spent a number of months actually working on the current offering that I have right now, which is uh, an ebook called How to Increase Your Income in 14 Days by Building Relationships with Influencers, Even If You Hate Networking. And I actually wrote a, a guest post about how I changed the title to that. Initially, it had a lot more boring title, and I, I eventually I tested the title over time and found that that one was a lot more likely for people to sign up. So basically, I mean, the way it works in a nutshell is you have a blog, you have some kind of free offering that people want to sign up for, and then you write for other sites, and you write something that's really good, probably way better than something you'd publish on your own site, like the best possible thing. And then that impresses people so much that they end up uh, coming to your site and signing up for your free offering and then hopefully sticking around. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I read that's something similar that, you know, whatever your guest flows should be better than what you would put on your own site. And I, 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 I buy that and I believe you, but I think it's uh, some people would have a hard time believing that, you know, that you actually have to save your best work for – for a giveaway, something that's not even going to be on your own own site. Well, here's the thing: is that it, you, it's not like you lose it forever. For one, you're gaining traffic to your site and subscribers, which is really what the goal is. 
And number two, um, you can probably repurpose that content in some way. Now, most sites want an exclusive. They don't want you, re you know, just reposting it on your site. But you can change things about it. You know, maybe it's 10 tips. You can shorten it to seven and change a couple of them and change some of the wording, change the title, and repurpose it. Um, so it's not like it's lost forever. But, um, you know, for a long time, I didn't do guest posts in part because I think I was hesitant. You know, I didn't – I wanted to put my best stop on my site. But like I said, it's like you're – you could be playing a beautiful violin in the middle of your closet with no one there, with the door closed, and no one's ever going to know about it. Or you can take your violin and you can go play your beautiful music in the park, and a crowd might start to gather. And then once they've gathered, they might follow you back to your apartment and, and become a fan of yours. So, you know, I don't know if that metaphor works for everyone, but it's uh, – <laughs> It's uh, you get the idea, anyways. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. You know, you mentioned some of the tools, or you know, you mentioned a CRM tool already that you use in your business. But can you uh, mention maybe two or three of your absolute essential tools in your business? Um, yeah, well, the, the CRM one is is hugely important um, because that manages all my relationships. One that we haven't mentioned is my email marketing service, which is a Weber that I use. There are others out there like MailChimp, um, and even other ones like constant contact that people use. I use a Weber. Um, I've got a tutorial on my site on how you can go step-by-step -step to set that up. Um, and, and basically it's, it's like it works on autopilot after a while. Once you've set up the systems, once you've written the ebook, once you've embedded the, the forms on your site, then all you need to do is get people back to those forms, get people back to your site. And then you're constantly growing the number of people that are on your site. I only had, my email list was like 200 people for a long time up until about a year and a half ago. And then I started, uh, emailing, or I started, um, guest posting aggressively and now I'm right around 3000. Um, and that is, you know, it would never be possible for me to manage that many relationships, to manage communicating with that many people. But mm -hmm. uh, with an email marketing service with it, with um, what's called autoresponder email messages, which are content from you that are of value that get sent out on a regular basis based on when people sign up, um, it's possible to actually manage relationships maintain relationships with a vastly large number of people. And so almost every morning I wake up and I've probably got about a half dozen emails in my inbox from people responding to those messages saying, hey, I really enjoyed this. I have a question about that or whatever. And it's just a great way to develop and nurture a relationship with people. You, you mentioned uh, several books on your, on your blog, like The Lean Startup and um, The Tipping Point and you know, Book Yourself Solid and several others. What would you say is the, the best book that you read in the last 30 to 60 days or, or the best book that you read in the last 66 months? Um, probably the best I've read in the last six months is Give and Take by Adam Grant. Um, it's kind of like if you've read How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is a classic bestseller, been around for 80 plus years, um, and that book is really about how to be influential by taking an interest in other people, and Give and Take provides the social science research to back up that 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 argument, um, and it's it's all about how people who are givers, people who have a tendency to want to give to other people, to help other people out without regard to what the, what benefit they're going to der derive from the transaction, those are the people who tend to end up at the top of the success ladder. And people who are takers first, people who are first 
thinking about what can I get from you? What can I uh, extract from any relationship? Um, those are the people that are less likely to be successful, less likely to more likely to end up at the bottom of the success ladder. Um, and he uses a ton of, of social science uh, research uh, uh, reports and academic studies to back up that argument. So it's something that I that resonated with me just on a deeply philosophical level in the way that I've always organized my life. And I was glad that I felt like it, it came it came down in the way that I hoped that it would. And before we end this, uh, John, and tell people how to connect with you, is there anything that uh, perhaps uh, maybe I, I didn't ask or that you think would be important for people to know in terms of networking or a blog or just entrepreneurship in general? Well, one thing we didn't talk about um, that I would highly recommend Recommend to all uh, everyone who's listening to this is um, I I write about something called conversations lists uh, and conversations list is a list of 50 plus people who you want to develop a relationship with over let's say the next 12 months and no one hardly anyone does this what people do do is they let their relationships evolve naturally which is fine when it comes to friends but it's not fine when it comes to business so there are so many people that just get up each day and go to their job or go to their business or whatever, and they're not really thinking proactively about, okay, where, what do I really want to be doing? Maybe they're unhappy, but they're not really thinking about how can I change things? Well, creating a conversations list is a great way to change things because what it does is it forces you to write down the list of 50 people who you'd like to either – maybe people you already know but who you really admire – or people who you want to get to know, people who you want to meet, but people who you really feel like could be beneficial to your business, could be beneficial to your career, and who you could help as well. You know, the ideal cir circle, the ideal network of people that you'd like to have down the line. And if you do that, if you sit down and you write down that list of 50-plus people, and it's going to evolve and change over time, but if you write down that list, you will get great clarity and it's, it's a great tool if you're a little confused about where you want to go because you might be surprised by the people you put on the list. But then, it, that then it, the next thing you have to do is follow through. And you have to have a system in place for building those relationships. And um, I, so I highly recommend doing that. I've, I see very few people do it, but the people who do seem to get great results from it. Thank you for that. Uh, that's, that's great advice, and I think I'm going to implement that in my own life too. Great. Yeah. What, is the, what is the best way for people to connect with you? They can uh, check me out at smartbusinessrevolution.com, and if you go to uh, smartbusinessrevolution.com slash newsletter, you can sign up for that ebook that I mentioned. It's 52 pages and professionally laid out and, and everything, and it really lays out my approach, my philosophy, and my strategy for – uh, taking relationships and, and building relationships and really having them um, support one another, help having you support others and, and having your relationships support you and so that you can grow your income, your impact, and your influence. Well, John, it's been an honor speaking with you. I, I learned a lot, and I hope our listeners uh, as well. Uh, thank you very much. Great. Thanks, George.